Camelone Quartet. How about that? <laughs> Certainly uh, want to mention that obviously Lynn would like to be here tonight. She's with her mother. She is, uh, her mother is here on the island uh, now, has been transitioned here. We want to keep praying for her and for that situation. Let's pray together. Father, again, we are so grateful to understand more clearly as time goes on and as we read your word, all the ramifications of Christ's coming. How we thank you that the light has come into this dark world. We thank you that the darkness has not overcome it, but Jesus Christ has overcome the darkness of the evil one. Thank you that he is at work even now, changing people's lives. How we thank you for this wonderful testimony of your grace in our brother Chris's life. We thank you, Lord, that there, is many, there are many reasons to be rejoicing tonight. And we, most of all, we thank you that Jesus Christ is indeed the Savior of the world. We pray that as we look and consider his coming and one of the great accomplishments that he has done, we pray that you might, Father, give all of us a sense of renewed hope, encouragement, and that you would help us to truly be set free. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. As you know, the beginning of the story of the Bible, it begins where God creates all things. And in the initial opening chapters of the story and the narrative, the Word of God, it says that God created everything. It was all good. And it wasn't too much long after reading about everything being so good that we then come upon the understanding that there is indeed something very wrong in the world. There is one who is opposed to the God who made everything perfect initially. We know that there is a rebellious angel by the name of Satan who attempted to usurp God's rule. It is Satan who came up with his own scheme to have his own kingdom, to have his own subjects, to have his own dominion. It is Satan who arrogantly boasted while in the presence of God at one, at one time, I will be like the Most High. Indeed, it is that arrogant exclamation that resulted in Satan being expelled from heaven and ever since that day, he has longed to possess the earth and to have all of the inhabitants as those who would bow to him. There are two vastly different kingdoms. There is the kingdom of darkness. There is the kingdom of light. There is the kingdom of this world. There is the kingdom of heaven. There is the kingdom of Satan. There is the kingdom of God. And there are many reasons that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem so long ago. But one of the primary reasons was to conquer this enemy, Satan, and to reign over his kingdom. And the verse I want to point out tonight is a very uh, succinct statement found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It says this, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. See, Jesus did not come to offer a diplomatic solution. 
He did not come to find common ground with Satan and somehow seek some understanding between the two sides. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. I don't know how many of you know this fact, but a hundred years ago, tomorrow, there was a terrible, uh, it was in the middle of a terrible war that was taking place. And the forces of Great Britain were against Germany. And there in all these trenches, so many people were being slaughtered and so much killing was taking place. And on Christmas Day, December 25th, 1914, there was a day, one day truce, one day in which the guns stopped firing when people on both sides came out of their trenches and began to exchange conversations with each other. Just for that one day, it is even said by some eyewitnesses that they even sang Silent Night together. But soon thereafter, the battle ensued, and soon thereafter, the killing increased. It was just a very short, momentary pause. I assure you that Satan, although he has faced a greater opponent than he, he is still at work in our world. But I want us to think a little bit about what Satan's tactics, Satan's approach, Satan's works are involved. And then I want to briefly comment about what Jesus did to overcome those works. I think there are three ways I'd like to just suggest tonight. There are many, many others. I won't get into them. But the first one I want to talk about is that Satan deceives people in regard to the Word of God. He loves to twist and distort the truth so that people will therefore have a lesser regard of God's Word. Satan has used this approach again and again and again. His first seduction worked so well that he's used it over probably for billions of people ever since. He enjoys doing whatever he can to undermine the authoritative Word of God. And Satan has consistently brought questions in people's minds, raising all these questions in their minds regarding the truthfulness of God's promises, God's warnings of God's statements in His Word. To Eve, the serpent said, Has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? You see, Satan, the deceiver, he wants to encourage us to doubt God. He wants to encourage us to doubt his word, to question his word, to believe it only in a half-hearted way. Satan does not want us to know for certain that we have eternal life. Satan does not want us to know that we can have peace with God in this world. He does not want us to have peace in facing any type of trial that we undergo in this world. Satan surely does not want us to have any kind of peace in our minds and hearts if we face those last moments of life on this earth and prepare to die. He wants us to live in fear. Satan wants us to be afraid of the unknown, afraid of the life to come. He loves to deceive people to not truly trust in the Word of God. Another tactic he takes, Satan loves to deceive people regarding the will of God. Not only the Word of God, but the will of God. You see, Satan is the Lord of lies. He finds great joy in sowing seeds of rebellion. 
encouraging each one of us because he twists the truth to go ahead and do things that clearly are wrong, but he wants to make us think that they are right. And so what does he do to, will, to Eve in the Garden of Eden? After God had clearly given boundaries and clearly defined what is permissible and what's not permissible, they were not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Satan said what? You shall not surely die. It's okay to do this. Satan loves to entice us into doing what God has clearly forbidden. He wants us to be encouraged to think that we need not worry about the consequences of sin. You see, the devil loves to depict God as someone who indeed robs us of the good things that we think that we deserve to enjoy. And Satan finds joy in encouraging us to rationalize and justify all sorts of reasons why it's okay to disobey God. And so he also not only deceives us regarding the Word of God and the will of God, there's another one he deceives us about, and that is the person of God. God in his person. Now, please forgive me. I don't want to spend more time on Satan than I am on Christ. I'm coming to that in a minute. But I'm just reminding us that Lucifer, the liar, he relishes those times when he can imply that God is an ogre, that God is this mean, vindictive deity. And so what does he do? He suggests to Satan, to, oh, sorry, Satan suggests to Eve, he says, God knows that in the day you eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened, that you will be like God, knowing good and evil implying that God's holding something back from you. That's why he's telling you not to do this. You see, Satan loves to suggest that God is withholding from us the enjoyment of sinful pleasures. And when things are not working out the way that we think they should, oh, the devil loves to prompt us to direct our angry thoughts and our angry feelings directly toward God. We hold it against God. And Satan loves to delight. He, he delights to suggest that God does not really love us because he wouldn't have allowed whatever it is. He insists that God merely wants to enslave us, to ruin our lives. And so I've thought about some of these lies and sometimes what we oftentimes may say to ourselves or in the back of our minds, it reminds me of the time years ago. This is how old I am. I can still remember my sister uh, at Christmas got this crazy doll, the kind of doll that you, they didn't have digital technology back then. So it was, you pulled a string, the back of the doll, right? Let go of the string and the string goes back in and some little spring wound thing and, and it plays this little recording. Some stupid thing like, hi, I'm your doll and I think you're wonderful, you know, or whatever. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but for some reason, the one my sister had, got stuck. It's supposed to have several different things it said, but it was the same thing over and over and over and over. It was like, get rid of that doll, will you please? Stop pulling the string. But sometimes we are like that in that we will pull a string and hear the same thing over and over. And sometimes this might be what goes through your head. You pull the string. God is not really good. That's what you're hearing in your mind. Or pull a string and you say, God is just like my human father. And you associate all the things of what your human father must be onto God. Or you pull the string and say, God's ways 
are too restrictive. I can't deal with them. It ruins my life. Others may pull the string and hear again, God cannot forgive what I have done. Other people hear the lie and the Satan's deception and they pull the string and they hear, I can sin and get by with it. Other people have duped or duped and they believe the lie that my life will never change. Things will go on like they are forever. This brings me, my friends, to some good news. <laughs> it's time to throw that old doll away. It's time to throw those lies away. It's time to find comfort and celebrate the good news that Jesus Christ was born to destroy the works, particularly the deceptive teachings and thoughts and lies of the devil. And he did this decisively, I would suggest to you, in three ways in his life here on earth. First of all, by his birth. Jesus Christ disproves the diabolical lie that God does not love you. Or the lie that God does not love me. You see, the evidence of God's love is clear for all to see. God sent his one and only son, it says in the scriptures, out of his love. For God loved so much in this way that he sent his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You see, Jesus Christ came to proclaim salvation, to offer and to provide himself as the means and the way to the Father, to enjoy eternal life through him. And although all of us have committed cosmic treason, all of us deserve to be condemned. That is truth, because we have sinned. God nonetheless says, I love you. I have come to save you. I have come to provide to you a liberation from all the lies and oppression that Satan continues to hold against you. I have come to rescue you. And therefore, it is by his birth, that is one reason we can truly be filled with joy because the truth is God has shown us his love in Jesus Christ. Secondly, there is the wonderful provision of Christ in his life and his teaching. Christ revealed how the human race was intended to live in harmony with the God who made us. God taught us the words of God. Jesus taught us the words of God. He spoke with authority. He spoke truthful words. He never misled, never once deceived anyone. He never led anyone into error. He demonstrated what a life of holiness and consecration and undivided love to God the Father, what it really looks like. Jesus perfectly kept the law, as Chris was reminding us earlier. And by doing so, he showed us for, for every time that we fail and every time that we sin, he has remained faithful and he has refused to sin. Therefore, he has a righteousness that he can share with us, we who have none of our own. Jesus not only came in his perfect life and in his birth, but also he has defeated the evil one in this wonderful way by his death, his burial, and resurrection. Stay with me here, just very quickly here. Jesus, through his death, he wiped out the guilt of sinners like you and me. 
And to those who believe and trust in him, he alone can reconcile sinners like us to God. If we will turn from our sins, turn from our, our ways of relying upon ourselves to somehow become acceptable before him and to fully trust in him and what he came to do and accomplished on the cross. He laid down his life, not because he deserved to be punished, but because he's paying the debt we owe to God. And then God now has raised Jesus from the dead in order to prove to everyone, even to Satan. Satan thought he had won a great victory at that point. He had done this tremendous scheme to eliminate and get rid of Jesus. He thought he had accomplished it. But Satan was definitely overcome when Jesus Christ came out of that grave. And through his resurrection, Jesus Christ defeated the last enemy, which is death and Satan and the forces of hell. And all of Satan's works were undone through the one and only Lord Jesus Christ. And through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we can enjoy what Satan insists you could never enjoy, and that is newness of life. Satan was mortally wounded when Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead. And Satan's days are numbered. He is a defeated foe. Yes, he's a foe, but he is a defeated one. And the fullness of Jesus' victory, I realize, has not fully been manifest just yet. But the bottom line is that Jesus did not fail in his purpose for coming. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He has done a tremendous initial work in that regard, and he will bring it to completion someday. The infant born in obscurity is actually the captain of God's army and the victorious conquering king who alone can grant us victory over the enemy of our souls. What I want to leave you with tonight are wonderful statements of truth because of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished in his coming to us. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He lived a holy life. He laid down his life on the cross. The gospel says he was raised victorious over death three days later. And therefore, these truths set us free. God is good. Look at Jesus Christ and you learn that lesson. God loves me. He loves you. And we also know that if I or you have received Christ by faith, we therefore can be declared complete in Christ. And God can be trusted. God's grace is sufficient for whatever you're facing in your life right now. And the blood of Christ is sufficient to cover not just some, not just most, but all of your sin. And indeed, the cross of Christ is sufficient to conquer even our struggle against the flesh. Praise God. There's hope for all of us who struggle. Satan is not the victor. Jesus Christ has won. Let's pray. Our great God and Savior, we thank you that as we gather here tonight, Lord, we're not coming just to, for sentimental reasons. We're not coming, Lord, to sustain and perpetuate a lie of the evil one. But, Lord, we are here to declare the truth that Jesus Christ is life. He is the way. He is truth. We thank you that through him there is provision for those of us who desperately need a rescuer, 
We thank you that the one who came to destroy, the one who came to kill, the one who came to condemn us, and who loves to pour and heaping guilt on us and keep us away from you, O Lord, we thank you that he is a defeated foe. We thank you that there is hope for all of us through Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can know of his love because Jesus Christ has come. He has laid down his life. We thank you that we know that you're good because we see in the life of Christ what you are like. I pray, Lord, that you would help those of us who are here tonight who might still be hearing some of the lies of the evil one, who might still have been duped and deceived in what he has been trying to suggest to us. We pray, Father, that we might know the truth, that we might pursue the truth, that all of us might invest our lives in knowing the truth and following the truth wherever it leads, that we might know you and enjoy you forever through Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you for the victory, Lord Jesus, that you have won, and we pray that we might enter into that victory even now and all, more, all the more gloriously someday when you bring all things to completion and when we see even the curse of sin finally removed once and for all. Until that day, we pray that you would help us to celebrate our Lord and Savior, our King, our victorious conqueror, Jesus Christ. Until then, come quickly, we pray, Lord Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.